hey, weren't you the blind guy? What happened to you? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for um, the richness of your scripture and that you shared it with us and that you shared Jesus with us. And I pray, Lord, that as we look at this passage, this event in the life of Jesus and a man who was blind from birth, that you will open our eyes so that we can clearly see. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. If you'll stand with me out of respect for the word of the Lord, I won't make you stand every time we read a passage of Scripture, but on our first focal passage, if you would stand, John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. Hear the word of the Lord. As he was passing by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus answered. This came about so that God's work might be displayed in him. We must do the work of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After he said these things, he spit on the ground, made some mud from the saliva, and spread the mud on his eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he left, washed, and came back seeing. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Recently, Rhonda and I uh, took uh, three of our grandkids, Benjamin, Judah, and Ellie, to see another one of our grandkids play some baseball, and that was Browder. And uh, the baseball fields just happened to be right by the airport. And so as we neared the fields, and we're all in the, in the van together, we, we neared the fields, we saw planes taking off and landing, and we're pointing them out to the kids because it's still a novelty when you're uh, two, four, and six, I guess. And we would say, hey, look, there's an airplane taking off. Or, hey, look, there's an airplane landing. And Ellie, who is all of two years old, going on 18, uh, still in her car seat, but so desperately wanting to see the airplane. So she struggles. She looks around. And then these words came out. I can't see it. I can't see it. And this goes on until she actually sees it or we point her to where it is, or she gives up. We would try to help her, but of course the planes are moving up and down, left to right, whatever. Sometimes she saw them, sometimes she didn't. After a while, we heard Ellie say, I can't see it! I can't see it! It kind of became a little bit of a joke, and we were amused. We were quite amused. But when I think about the man in John chapter 9, the words, I can't see it! I can't see it! were literally true of everything in his life. Those words had been true every single day of his life because he was born blind. When this man's parents and grandparents heard him say, I can't see it, it wasn't cute. It wasn't amusing. It was sad. It was tragically sad. But then Jesus passed by. Good things happen when Jesus passes by. So first point today, Jesus passes by a blind man. 
We know that blind people often develop a very strong sense of hearing. So I want you to imagine with me this man's reaction as he heard the disciples ask Jesus the, the sin question. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? What do you think the blind man's reaction was? What do you think he was thinking when he heard them say this? What do you think the blind man was feeling when he heard the disciples ask Jesus this question? Perhaps he thought, uh, hey, disciple guys, I may be blind, but I'm not deaf. And I am right here. Now we're so hard on the disciples, aren't we? Well, sometimes they deserve it. Sometimes we deserve it. As disciples of Jesus, we need to be oh so careful of the questions we ask of Jesus. And I want you to notice that the disciples very conveniently not only asked the question, but provided the answer to the Lord at the same time. They gave him two obvious answers, both of which were convenient, yes, but wrong. They said, did he sin or did his parents sin? Lots of people asked Jesus lots of questions in the Bible. The Pharisees asked Jesus questions about paying taxes. The Sadducees asked Jesus about the resurrection. John the Baptist asked Jesus a question when he'd been in prison, was facing death. He sent messengers to Jesus and he said, are you the Messiah or do we look for another? The disciples asked Jesus questions about the end of the age, the end of the world, the coming kingdom. Oh, a rich young ruler asked Jesus a question too. He said this, good teacher, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? The rich young ruler was a bit like the disciples in this case. He asked the question, but he carries in the question what he thinks is the answer. Just this week on American Gospel, Dr. Brian Chappell talked about this question. And these are some of the things he said. Listen to what the rich young ruler is asking. What good thing must I do? His question carried with it the weight of his own performance. The rich young ruler thought, as so many of us think, that there is something we must do to inherit eternal life. There is something that we have to do to be saved. Salvation to him was performance-based. And unfortunately, he was counting on his own performance. When we think salvation is up to us, when salvation is based on our own performance, then we, like the young rich ruler, will walk away from Jesus sad. Because we, we can't do it. So as disciples of Jesus, we need to be oh so careful of the questions we ask Jesus. And we need to be careful not to provide our own answers when we ask those questions. When we talk to Jesus, when we ask questions of Jesus, in other words, when we pray, we've got to be careful. Lord, should I attend college A or college B? Lord, should I take job A or job B? Lord, should I preach or should I be in business? Careful now, disciple. The answer Jesus may want to give you may not be college A or job B or may not be finance or ministry. He may have something totally different in mind. And so the disciples asked the wrong question, as we often do. And the disciples asked and said, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents, that he was born blind. But then Jesus answers. 
Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus answered. This came about so that God's work might be displayed in him. We must do the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one is working. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. What do you think the blind man's reaction was at this point? What do you think he was thinking when he heard Jesus answer the question? Was it relief? Oh, okay. This, my blindness is not because of my sin. You think he thought of his parents? Oh, this is good. My blindness is not because of my parents' sin. But what is this about being the light of the world? Jesus said in response to this situation, I am the light of the world. Dr. Norman Geisler is quoted in Lee Strobel's The Case for Christ. It's an excellent book. He says this, Jesus Christ is the only person who lived, who claimed to be God and proved to be God. When I compare him to all other claimants of all other religions, it is like the poet who said, the night has a thousand eyes and the day has but one. The light of the whole world dies with the setting of the sun. At the midnight of human ignorance, there are lots of lights in the sky. But at noontime, there is only one, and that is Jesus Christ, the light of the world. So I cast my lot with him, not with Confucius, who claimed wisdom, not with the one who claimed enlightenment, the Buddha, or the one who claimed to be a prophet like Muhammad, but the one who claimed to be God in the flesh, and then he proved it. Jesus claimed to be the light of the world, but what is that to a blind man? Did hope spring up in his heart? Or did he think light of the world? What is light? Did he say to himself, work? What work? I can't work. I'm blind. Did he listen to Jesus say, night is coming when no man can work, and say to himself, oh, I know all about night. That's all I've ever known. Regardless of what he thought, he obeyed. Jesus told him to go, and so he went. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. So he left, washed, and then some of the most beautiful words in the Bible, he came back seeing. John chapter 9, verse 7, he came back seeing. Jesus passes by a blind man. A formerly blind man testifies. In verse 29 of John 9 the passage says, we know that God has spoken to Moses. These are the Pharisees talking here. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but this man, we don't know where he's from. Well, this is an amazing thing, the man told them. You don't know where he's from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he listens to him. Throughout history, no one has ever heard of someone opening the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he wouldn't be able to do anything. So the story goes, and you can read it all in detail in John 9, and we had such a great discussion about this in Sunday school this morning. As the story goes, the religious leader summons this man and began to question him, and they did it multiple times. Why did they do this? Because the religious leaders just can't believe that this no-name guy from Nazareth or Galilee or wherever he's from, they just can't believe that Jesus, who looks so ordinary, could have opened the eyes of the blind to see. And so the formerly blind man schools them oh so deliciously. Listen to him testify here. 
Well, this is an amazing thing. Now, we had a little debate in Sunday school. Was this youthful naivete as he has just become a convert? Or is this sarcasm? I'm going with sarcasm because that's my natural language. Yeah. I saw a t-shirt yesterday. Next sarcastic comment in three, two, one. Yeah. Uh, I like t-shirts like that. So this man says, well, this is an amazing thing. You don't know where he's from, and yet he opened my eyes so that I could see. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners. We know that God only listens to those who do his will. Throughout history, a blind man has never been made well. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done that. But the religious leaders aren't having it. And so they excommunicate him and they throw him out of the synagogue. This formerly blind man testified. He tells them what Jesus has done for him. His example to us is beautiful. And if you have been redeemed, if your eyes have been opened, that's what you're supposed to be doing too. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. If Jesus has given you sweet salvation, then it is now your responsibility and job to tell others. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to know every scripture, but you need to tell people what Jesus has done for you. So Jesus passes by a blind man. A formerly blind man testifies, and then a seeing man now, a seeing man believes. Hear the word of the Lord, John chapter 9, verse 35 through 38. Jesus heard that they had thrown the man out, and when he found him, he asked, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him, he asked. Jesus answered, you have seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. I believe, Lord, he said, and he worshiped him. This is the word of the Lord. Verse 35, Jesus heard that they thrown the man out, and when he found him. Jesus doesn't leave us hanging. Jesus doesn't save us and say, okay, you're on your own. You may remember that just a few minutes ago we looked at some beautiful words in John chapter 9, verse 7. So he left, washed, and came back seeing. And here is another beautiful word. It's one of the most clever question-answer scenarios in the entire Bible, and you have to see it. You have to think about what's going on here. Jesus asked the formerly blind man, do you believe in the Son of Man? And this man says, who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And then Jesus answered, you've seen him. And how was he able to see him? He was able to see him because Jesus opened his eyes. You have seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Just to make sure that he got it, Jesus said, "Uh, you're looking at him. And just in case, just, just to make sure you know, and I'm talking to you. I believe, Lord, he said, and he worshiped him. He was able to see him. The blind man was able to see him. The formerly blind man was able to see him because Jesus had opened his eyes. Jesus doesn't save us and then leave us to our own devices. He came back. Jesus found him. Just like last week, the man healed at the pool of Bethesda. Jesus heals him. And then a little bit later, he circles back around and he has a conversation with him. At some point in our lives, before we meet Jesus, we're all like Ellie. I can't see it. I can't see it. 
But then Jesus passes by. We believe and worship the light of the world. Our first job as Christians is to believe and worship Jesus. Our second job is to testify, to tell others what He has done for us. Because you see, we were blind, but now we see. When people see us, they should say, Hey, weren't you the blind guy? What happened to you? And what will your answer be? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the testimony of this man who in boldness told the religious leaders who had so much authority in his life, so much authority that they kicked him out of the synagogue, so much authority that his own parents who knew he had been blind from birth, so much authority that they were afraid to stand up to them. This man had so much boldness and really all he had to do was tell people what you did for him. And that's really all we have to do. Help us remember that, Lord. We get so tied up in knowing this verse or that verse, and we need to know the verses, and it's good. But if we would simply share with people the difference that, God, you have made in our lives through Jesus, if we would simply share, people will come to you in faith. People will believe. Because it's an amazing thing to give sight to a blind man, but it's even more amazing that you can take me, a dirty, rotten sinner, and change me into a new creature. And for that, I thank you. I pray, Lord, that you would bless this time of invitation, that if decisions need to be made, whatever they are, that you will lead people to make them. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.